Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Anatomy of Wings is the direct result of an after-school film project where 10 black middle school girls gathered together each week to collaborate with their black and white mentors on a feature-length documentary about their own coming of age in Baltimore City. Weeks turn into years, and shortly before the girls graduate from high school, a sea of misunderstandings arise about what's to come. This self-defined second family is left to question if their solidarity will survive the realities of living in a world of racial inequality. The film is called Anatomy of Wings, and it is a beautifully rendered story about young women finding agency, finding each other, finding a community in which they can thrive and become who they are. And we're joined today by the co-directors of Anatomy of Wings, and that would be Kirsten DeAndrea Hollander, as well as Nikia Redman. To you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having us. Kirsten, how did the, the, the idea, the, the implementation of your idea of, of wings become a reality? How did this happen? Back in 2008, Nakia and I had volunteered um, on a program for young girls that was being hosted by our friend Allison Welch, who's now an associate producer on Anatomy of Wings. And at the time, Allison was organizing different events such as yoga and art and sailing. And that group had 25 girls from the historic Dunbar Middle School in Baltimore City. And through just a change of events, Allison was moving with her family to Chicago. And so we had to sit back and say, well, what can we continue to offer? And at the time, I was a part-time professor at MICA, which is an art and design media college in Midtown Baltimore. I, at the time, I was teaching part-time both drawing, like literal drawing with charcoal, like some of the drawings you see um, behind me. And, um, and I was teaching video skills. It just seemed like the video skills was the, the offering that was going to be made. And I asked Nakia, you know, what do you think? What if we start up again and this time being a video skills program for girls? And the college was very welcoming, lent us a classroom every week and gave us some grant money um, to buy the initial equipment that the young women used. And I think the inspiration for this came out of the fact that it was 2008. So cell phones didn't have the video capability. This was kind of a big deal to be able to video your own self, do your own video diaries, video letters to family members, to create in which ways you wanted to image your own neighborhood, your family, your friends, your school, and to know that young girls, 10, 11, 12 years old, had the power to do that. That was huge. You know, sometimes girls' voices come last in our society, and especially course we talk about it now in 2021 but we weren't doing such a good job talking about it uh back in 2008 that the girls voices you know from our i'm hesitating because we really don't like to um, put projection on anyone in our film so 
we could call the neighborhoods impoverished. Sometimes I like to refer to them as redlined, you know, neighborhoods that have been redlined into certain circumstances. Um, to know that these young women, 10, 11, 12 years old, knew that they could be the makers of their own images, their own moving image, their own cinema, their own video, whatever they wanted to call it. That was the dream. Well, Nakia, as uh, Kirsten was talking about, you know, the idea of being able to tell your own story is, uh, I would imagine, that's such a powerful, empowering sort of a, a idea. What were the, how did the, that first group that we see in the film, um, how were they, were they recruited? Were, did they, once they got word of this, did they come to you? How, how did that first group become the people that we see in this film? That first group really chose us. Like they chose Wings, they chose the program. They really chose this experience for themselves. A lot of the young women who you see in the film now were invited by their friends. It was six girls who first started with Wings, and then they started inviting their friends. So the girls, they had so much autonomy because they really chose this experience for themselves. As we see in the film, at the beginning, and correct me if I'm mischaracterizing this, but it seemed like there was a, a lot of dialogue about how to go forward. Like the, there, there didn't seem to be a lot of parameters in terms of what story was going to be told or how, but, but more or less sort of allowing them to talk about that and then begin to form their own ideas about how to move forward with telling their own story. Is that, is that a fair characterization? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Allowing them to tell their stories was such a big part of Wings, and it was so different than what I'm used to because I, I used to work in after-school programs, and it's like mostly you set up a space for them to tell the story you want them to tell. But in Wings, it really was that freedom to to be who you are and share this this film atmosphere with your family, your friends, your school, as you can see in the film. It just was really a, a space for them to be creative and to become filmmakers, but also to share their life story and, and what was happening for them at the time. Kirsten, in terms of just sort of giving them the tools to be able to tell their stories, you had to teach them how to use the equipment. But once they did, I assume, I mean, there had to be a learning curve in all of this. But once they did, were you surprised at how quickly they, they adapted to using it and yeah. sort of how did that go? How did that part of it? Well, the irony is that we're approaching um, February 14th. And so February 14th in 2008 was our first night with the equipment. And I love that footage because we're all wearing like different shades of pinks and reds. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the truth is, Mike, that that very first night, they knew what they were doing. We and and this was again, this wasn't a cell phone where you just push a button. There were wires and connectors and and adapters. And, you know, this is and we gave them these huge, you know, closed back headphones. And they I would say within 90 minutes, they were filming. Because one of the one of the shots that I love so much is um, a young Sheila Butler, one of our stars. She turns her camera immediately on the key and says, you know, what are you going to do with this program? <laughs> so that was the first that was the first night. Nakia, in terms of the stories that they began to tell, like the first rush, if you will, the first uh, the dailies 
that or the weeklies that you were seeing of what they were producing. What surprised you about it or what what reinforced the notion that you were on the right track with with what you were doing? For me, what was most surprising is how comfortable their families were with being filmed, even though, you know, it's them and and like if I'm filming my aunt, it's me filming her versus other people. But Baltimoreans aren't necessarily interested in being filmed. <laughs> uh, so it was always surprising to see how how much they were able to really capture. Like one of um, our women, um, Cornisha's shot of her aunt preparing a breakfast. Like that's so authentic and real, right? Um, and watching things like that, was a part of our daily Thursdays like people would be showing their footage on the van when we were on our way to the program so it was always eye-opening to see you know some of the things and and then also heartbreaking at the same time because sometimes the things that they film was like really real life kind of things that just happened that some people could say they're challenging things to to look at that we saw some Thursdays but it was all authentic things that were happening in their lives. That it's great that they <laughs> felt that comfortable and yeah. immediately yes. seemed to be yes. so comfortable. And in some ways, what else would they, I mean, this, in some ways, this is their life. So what, why would yes. they, they wouldn't go out and try to, to make something that wasn't uh, authentic. I, don't, I mean, I can't imagine why they would. And you see it in the film and you're right. There are some difficult, um, there are difficult situations, but they're real. This is what was happening in their lives. And by the way, was there a, I'm just kind of curious, this is sort of an aside, but in terms of what they were producing, did you have in mind a um, kind of a mini film festival? Were you going to, were these going to be edited into kind of a, a short form or long form documentary for each one of their particular stores? Kind of what were the, what were the sort of, what was the end product if there was such a thing for this? Yeah. In, oh. in the beginning, and like saying our Thursdays is kind of our wings vernacular because we, the six years that we met every week, we met on Thursday. Um, but in the beginning, you know, the young women were, were filming and bringing their footage in and we would look and, and reflect on the footage. And then it came time to say, okay, should we start sharing some of this publicly? So we, we edited we were editing short trailers of some of the footage back in 2008, 2009, and just putting them up on Vimeo or YouTube, starting to share that way. We also um, put some videos together that we would share in a gallery space at the college where we were meeting. And that was the beginning of, you know, how do we take this conversation out of this very safe um, space we've created together, sharing space and start to just, you know, test the waters of what we're going to share with folks outside of our space. And the original intention was that we were keeping this intimate group of 10 girls because we saw that it was working. And the reason the original intention to share the footage was to share it with the girls who couldn't be in the room with us so that we could like be in a ex more expansive, um, connective way. Those were some of the original reasons we started sharing. I want to remind our listeners that we're talking with the co-directors of the film Anatomy of Wings. It's a documentary film that is screening at the, this year's Slam Dance. And you can go to slamdance.org to find out more about the festival and about the screen screenings that uh, for this. It's a virtual 
festival this year so you can i assume watch the film whenever you want to watch the yes. film right <laughs> so uh, that's yes. awesome <laughs> yes. that is a great that is the great part that you know turning yes. essentially the idea that you can go to a film festival now and you don't have to wait until thursday at four o'clock in in the snow to trudge up main street to go and watch it you can watch it whenever and however you want to yeah. so um and i would just want to remind our listeners speaking with kirsten Dandrea Hollander, as well as Nikia Redman, the co-directors of this film. You can go to anatomyofwings.com to find out more about the film, about the people in it, and all of the different ways in which you will be able to watch it if you don't choose to go to the slamdance.org film festival. So um, the films that the young women were making, and then there's the meta part of this, which is you're making a film about them, their lives, and them, and all of that. Oh, yeah. Was that always the intention? Did you always feel like this was eventually going to be sort of a the, uh, if you will, the connecting thread for for what we see in their films, or how did that become? Um, Kirsten, you want to take that? Yeah, I. So I. It seems in preparation for Slam Dance, I'm coming out as someone who meditates deeply. <laughs> um, I've noticed I've been sharing that in some discussion around this film because, you know, on the ground, we were running a girls after school video skills program, and that was the priority. And people have, they'll say, did you know you were going to have a, a film, you know, a feature length film? And the truth is, the answer is yes. And I don't, know where that came from. Um, but I'm just going to attribute it to the fact that I'm blessed being someone who can meditate very deeply. And I just always felt that the shape and the form, you know, was to be revealed. And there were many moments that Nakia can talk about over the past 12 years where we were barely holding this project together. But um, somehow that there was always this knowing that we were going to have something important to share in a traditional film form. I also say that maybe with a little reservation, because part of our journey has been to learn um, what it would take to structure a film like this so it would be inclusive. Nikia, sort of hesitant to start bringing in the different young women that were in the film in terms of identifying them, because there's so many and there's so many really compelling stories being told here that's yeah. the other that's really a strength of the film in these in the in what we see and what they're producing of of their lives as well as watching them in real time at these gatherings at the classes uh, you're getting to know them you're seeing a real fully formed look at them and their lives it's not completely accurate because we don't see them in all aspects of their lives but what, what we do see is the interaction and the and at the end of the day, the true love that they have for one another, the appreciation and respect they have for one another. Yes. In terms of just what, how that played out, I have my favorites in the film, the people that were, I've, I found to be very compelling. But in terms of just these different young women, I don't know if you want to talk about any ones individually or just want to talk about them as, in general as a group. There is a dream that we will continue um, with an episode of each of the young women and I say that also with some reservation, just because uh, we, Nikia and I have done what we can to hold this 12-year journey together and to make sure that the feature documentary, you know, came to be. There's a couple dreams here. <laughs> One is that our documentary will really open someone's heart 
to the idea of really funding what's possible here. Is, is that okay, Mike, if I talk about funding Absolutely. <laughs> for a moment? Well, so, I will tell you, while I was watching this, what I came yeah. away from this with is, why couldn't this be kind of like a seven up, 14 up, 21 yeah. up? Why can't, mm -hmm. why couldn't this be something like, yeah. but to your point, why isn't this being, this kind of program being funded everywhere? Right. So there's, yeah. if, since you're, allowing us the platform to talk about funding, um, I think I'm going to talk about it on three tiers. <laughs> so one is when uh, there's a dream that the mentorship model in our film will be used widely. And it's a mentorship model of intimacy and longevity. And I know that both of those things can be scary to folks. But our, that's what our youth need right now. They need to be in smaller groups. You know, a lot of our youth come out of overcrowded classrooms and they need that they need that intimacy. And that's what allows them to speak up because there's more space, you know, to speak up. Where I'm going with this is it was very hard for us to keep the after school program funded because the question we kept getting is why don't you have at least 30 young people in your group? And Nakia can talk about her experiences in a moment with, with um, a myriad of after-school programs. So it's one tier of funding. Imagine a world where intimate groups for youth, for both girls and boys and young adults, teen, teens, young adults was funded, you know, intimate groups being funded. Imagine a world where a documentary like ours had been properly funded. So I'll just leave it at that. And then imagine a world where the young women who star in our film are funded to run their own groups because they're in this they've had this amazing life experience to be amazing mentors. I'm going to add a fourth tier. <laughs> and then imagine a world where their individual stories were funded in some sort of um, docu series. You know, because people are so intrigued with these young women that star in Anatomy of Wings and what they bring to the table and what they have to offer, you know, to the future of our society. <laughs> they are the light that moves us beyond systemic bias. Well, and Nakia, this is what, what it's also compelling about just what Kirsten just said, and that is we're also watching them in a very important phase of their life, right? Going from essentially adolescence into an adulthood. And, and, and we're, we're, they're on the cusp of becoming adult over the course of the time that we're with them. And this is an incredibly important part for telling a story, not only their, their particular story, but a greater story, a greater story of opportunity, being a woman, woman of color in this society. And, and how it plays out. So I think in addition to everything else, it is it is that that's what I just what we're talking about is this incredibly important part of anyone's life, but, but particularly in theirs. I'd agree. I think that um, this story is is very timely and, and relevant, um, especially for Baltimore. Initially, we, we weren't going to use Baltimore as a as a huge texture in the film. I mean, it's evident that we are in Baltimore, kind of, or, or a place like Baltimore. But for for us to have this type of story about these young women and it be shown in a light where you can just step into their lives without all of these pre-existing conditions that happen in inner city neighborhoods, um, that happen to inner city Black women, 
<laughs> I think that the way we've done this film is brilliant because because it allows for Black people to be shown in a way that is truthful to who they are in their soul and not necessarily who they are as opposed to the oppression that they face every day. Our story is just so beautiful because it just shows these young girls living their lives and you're able to be with them and to to empathize with them to laugh with them to cry with us but mostly to just experience this for who they are as people and and really ask yourselves like are you able to do that in your life like Kirsten said they they are the light and they they are helping me helping other people too to to be able to just walk with people on their journey something we've been talking about is the intuitive feminine and that the intuitive feminine is not gender-based it's for everyone and it's the intuitive feminine is about trusting what you feel and you know in your heart and you were asking earlier like did we know we had a film somewhere in our hearts we knew we were making a film you know even though there was no outer validation or shape for it and and that's um i believe that's part of what you're saying it it can be really scary to just trust whatever that knowing is inside, you know, that's going to take you to your next right. step. Yeah. You know, I was sharing earlier, wouldn't it have been amazing if we had been funded and in, in a way where we weren't scraping <clears throat> to keep this film together. It'd be hard for us to even imagine the experience of having not had to have scraped to put this film together. But I'm not saying that from a place of um, scarcity. I'm saying it from, it's a lesson in perseverance. And that was a beautiful lesson <clears throat> for all of us involved in this film. But I think, you know, we need, as we move past this pandemic, uh, perseverance needs to be, it, perseverance needs to be nourished in a different way now. <laughs> You know, like the things that are worth persevering for, they just, they deserve more community, more funding, more acknowledgement. They deserve to be coming out of vessels of um, self-care and community care. And that, that would be a beautiful place to be as, you know, we move to be post-pandemic. Yeah. I'm going to put on my anthropology hat here for just a second and I, I will probably not be a hundred percent correct but i hope i'm close and that is in the earliest part of the civilizing part of of the human experience going back there was a time and a critical time in the development of the, our species in which women and the and the values of women was the ascendant values of those cultures and we need to be there we need to be there again Yes, a big yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what you're saying, Mike, is not, I mean, we can you know throw the term patriarchy around. We haven't actually said that yet in this conversation. But when I tune the idea of um, matriarchy in deeply, that's not even what it would be, what you're describing. There's been a term matrilineal right. because matriarchy isn't about um, suppressing down. I I mean, matrilineal is about how can everybody be nourished to be the best, their best selves. (laughs) That's what a matrilineal society would be. And again, you know, and, and we're in a time 
in our human history where we're learning that gender is on a continuum and it's fluid, you know? So I think like these ideas of, you know, maybe matrilineal or intuitive feminine, again, like this is for everyone because ultimately it's that every last person is nourished um, so they can be a creative human being in their full capacity. Nikki, anything to add to this? <laughs> I, know it's, <laughs> I know it's a pretty sweeping kind of assessment that I've been making Some here. Deep like, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, I think that I know I've learned a lot um, in talking about this subject and, and also learning about intuitiveness and how that functions and flows. And um, I think that for me, I try to think about these um, things as far as like patriarchal society makeups and, and how the the feminine is something that's important to 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 come to the top, to come to the surface. And, and honestly, I try to think about them, but just me being a black woman is, is so just me being a, a, a woman in her 30s is complex. So. Yeah. But what you said, so much of this conversation, there's so much more to be said about this. The film is called Anatomy of Wings. If you get an opportunity to go to Slam Dance, go to the Slam Dance Film Festival website, check it out. Go to anatomyofwings.com to check this out uh, and watch it. It will start, it will start conversations. I hope you see it with someone. And because it will begin a, a, an important conversation, I don't think you can walk away from this film and not want to have one. And uh, I want to thank both of you so much for your time and for being here today on Film School Radio. The film, again, is called Anatomy of Thank Wings. you so much. You're very thank welcome. Thank you, Mike. And we've been talking with the co-directors, the film, Kirsten D'Andrea Hollander, as well as Nikia Redmond. Thank you both so very much for being here today. Thank, thank you so you. much, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Radio.